This episode was originally a live stream on YouTube. You could find out about all my content and how to follow and support me at erichunley.com. I hope to hear from you. And now, on with the show. My name is Eric Hunley, and this is Unstructured, where we have dynamic and formal conversations with some amazing people. Um, all right, and we're live. Today we have Mike Winnett. Now, I discovered Mike, uh, God, I want to say almost two years ago now. It's been a while. He did an amazing video, The Contrepreneur Formula Exposed. And it was mind-blowing, well-produced, mini-documentary on YouTube. Everybody should watch it. Required viewing. So how are you doing today, Mike? Uh, really good. I have some tech problems, so my <laughs> sound will be all right. I'm going through a computer instead of the normal uh, podcast studio sound setup so i'm all right good uh, it's not too bad it is it a new one of the new macs the uh with the built-in mic uh no really i don't know how, how it works but normally i'd be talking into my microphone and i'd be able to listen to you in headphones but for whatever reason is it Streamyard you use it doesn't seem to like working with Streamyard, so i don't know very weird very weird actually i was jealous of your setup when i saw it coming in now i'm like well maybe this isn't so bad what i'm doing right now yeah well, it's all right. you can't really see it on this camera but uh yeah it's nice we, it's because we um we get people that come in here to produce their own podcast so we, we can brand the room we can change all the light colors so we, we can brand it as anybody's so it's nice good setup oh very cool i i know that um i actually discovered christina linen through you yeah yeah the hypnotist Yes, she's fantastic. Great, yeah, great person. Really and good. Jenny, Jenny Radcliffe. Yeah, Jenny's a um, really good guest, actually. It's, uh, that's the best thing about making content, I think, or having a YouTube channel that's got a few followers, a few subscribers. It's a great way to meet people, you know, that you maybe would never speak to normally or that would share any time with you, spend any time with you. So it's been good. They're two good people that we've met through that podcast and uh, that um, YouTube channel. Well, very, 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 very true. They definitely wouldn't be talking to me. And that's why I did it. I mean, I started uh, getting into this because I wanted to meet world-class authors. You know, I, I read the books and I want to ask questions. How do you get to ask your questions? Well, you have to give them a reason to answer. Yeah. Now, going into your history, and I know you've probably told it a thousand times, but it's always uh, original to people. You, from what I understand, built your own online education business of sorts yeah. or content um, education creation yeah and built up a very successful business can you tell me about it uh yeah so it was just uh me and a couple of my friends in warrington which is near manchester in england we um wanted a way to create um what would you call it like opportunities um and we realized that working for somebody wouldn't allow us to do that so we decided to set up our own business we picked the e-learning space to set up um that business we didn't have any experience in it and we had a very clear three-year plan to sell that business for 10 million pounds um and we executed it after two and a half years so we basically made online resources we targeted corporate companies they could access our content, they could download that content and use it on their own learning management systems or training systems. Um, and we kind of took the Netflix model, uh, new content every week, cancel any time subscription. That was never before seen in that industry and it just took off really, really well. Um, two and a half years, we didn't have any investors. 
kind of learning on the job. And we managed to sell that business for $11.1 million two and a half years later. That's phenomenal. Now, is it um, essentially a white box type of situation? Uh, what do you mean? Well, okay. I'm, I'm used to the tech world, but white boxes, like I build a program that does this stuff and then you can put your branding around it or whatever no. you want. But no. um, it was okay. just, Here's, this is it. You put it in your own system. So it uh, wasn't, it was, so it was purely sort of unbranded content. It was branded as ours and they would mm. download it and they would put it um, in their learning management systems. So it might be sat alongside some accredited training. It might be sat alongside some training from other providers we just made content that worked on everybody's platform and we made it good. Or we made it better than what was out there. And then the terms of working with us, the low price point, the cancel anytime, the huge USPs at the time, the style, it was more like animated explainer videos, really mm. short. So instead of being like an hour long time management course, it would be here's a time management skill in 90 seconds. Here's a time management skill in 120 seconds. So it was like mini modules, bite-sized learning as well as slightly longer courses. Um, but nothing was anything over for four or five minutes. Oh. And um, we just made new content every week. Because um, most of the learning in life goes through experience. Most of the learning in work goes through actually experience and trying things. So why try and convince people that doing a three-hour e-learning module is going to make you any better at that subject? So we used to market ourselves a bit differently. We used to say e-learning shit, and we know because we make it. And it, it really, really resonated because no one, no one, ever, I've never heard anybody finish an e-learning course in work and say, oh my God, that was brilliant. I can't wait for the next one. So okay, we just yeah. kind of took, we just took that as, you know, you don't want to be doing this training. You don't want to be doing it for three hours long. You'd rather be doing something else. So why would we um, say anything different about it? It's not the be all and end all the training. You're probably going to do far better training offline than you are going to do online. So that's kind of how we positioned ourselves. And it really ruffled a few feathers in the e-learning world, really, because it was so different to what they're used to. And um, a lot of companies didn't like us, but one of them companies bought us. So You, you did the disruption strategy, right? Uh, we had two strategies, really. Auto, undersold and... Yeah, no. yeah. The, the strategy to exit, though, we had two. It was we would proactively look to partner some companies and say, look, what we do complements what you do so well. Um, hmm. we're, we're already working with a lot of your clients why don't you partner us, partner us and offer this to your clients which we were lucky enough that 26 learning management system providers did do but then we would proactively look to try and take clients from other customers so, uh, so sorry from other um, businesses so we would proactively say look if you don't buy us or don't work with us we're going to take all your clients because we're 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 selling this at sort of 10 percent of the cost of what you're selling yours for and we're saying it can cancel at any time so yeah it was almost like a an aggressive strategy and a, a nice strategy with some people we knew that one of those two companies would buy us and essentially it was an american-based company that bought us and that was because they wanted exclusivity on our content in the u.s that was the mm. sort of driver for it but we obviously couldn't do that while we partnered other companies. So we actually worked with one of their biggest competitors and they didn't want them to have access to our content. So they bought us. That was the, they made an offer of 7 million pounds. I don't know how much that is in us money, maybe $10 million, maybe something. I, well, I don't know the, the exchange rate, you know, goes all over the place. 
So. And so they made that offer, and um, oh, that was after two and a half years. Um, bearing in mind, we had no investors, and we started from scratch. Um, oh. And we turned that down, and then they come back uh, three days later with a million pounds more. So I don't know, $1.7 million more in three days. So they had the money. They probably found it down the back of the couch. <laughs> that was it. That's awesome. Well, I'm, that got, I'm... dream from and that was my first business I ever sat up, uh, set up on my own. That's... Got lucky overnight. Part luck, part I mean, luck definitely is in there, but obviously effort and work yeah, and this what I mean... annoys me about so many online gurus and success stories. They underplay the elements of luck. Now it might not be a hundred percent luck. It might only be 5% luck, but an element of luck has to happen to for that. Because our company is only worth $8 million, $10 million, whatever it might be, $20 million to someone that sees it at that value. Our mm-hmm. own accountants were telling us it was worth $1.2, $1.3 million. So if our own accountants <laughs> telling us it's worth that, it, so it, it's how people perceive it, how does it complement their existing offer, how the cross-sell opportunities Will it stop a competitor having a competitive edge? Will it, you know? So there's a million different reasons people buy. We were lucky that there was a business looking to acquire a business like ours at the time we were looking to sell. You know, I could do exactly the same again, same process, same products, same industry. And then that bit of luck won't happen and I don't get that money for that business. So that's how come it annoys me so much. And this is how we sort of got onto the entrepreneur stuff, how people can all guarantee results i use that loosely because in the small print it says these results aren't you know common and don't represent true results but how can you replicate a course promising and in an example of the entrepreneur formula video that i did a 10 million uh, a 10 million pound business in eight months when you there's so many variables outside of that and you can only control a certain number of things so but yeah i believe everyone gets luck and i think how much hard work you put in will determine how much you can capitalize on your slice of luck when it comes and also how integral or important that luck is. So I use this analogy quite a lot. If you were a band and you don't go out there and, you know, hand your demo out and you don't market yourself, and you don't push yourself online, and you don't try and proactively get in, get gigs or whatever it might be, you might have a slice of luck, which might be there's a local band playing at a local festival and they pull out and then somebody knows you and phones you up and say, can you fill this slot? So you've now got a gig out of the blue that you were lucky to get. But mm-hmm. now say if you were a band that was pushing themselves online, was handing out their demo all the time, um, doing all these different things, and then at Glastonbury, a band pulls out, a huge, and someone's like, oh, well, I heard this band playing at this festival, that festival, and they're really good, they're not on the bill, why don't we get them to come in? It's the same look, you've still got a gig that you weren't expecting, but one is far greater and bigger because you've done all the groundwork to be in that position sure. to capitalize. So you're known by a bigger audience, by more people, and you are perceived as a bigger band or a more talented band than that other band. So I often use that. So yeah, it looks so important. And I think that, you know, people need to acknowledge that a lot more. It's so easy to make it sound like, oh, it was only work because I was amazing at what I do and I was great, but no. Yeah, so that was it. So that was the dream. A lot of people say well you did it in two and a half years so it must be easy but you know i did six years worth of working in startup businesses learning business before i even felt remotely confident to set up on my own so 
you also have a range. I mean, you were uh, you worked for a bookie at one point. Yeah, I worked for bookmakers. Uh, that was when I was a student, so uh, just in the summers. So I worked for two different bookmakers. I've worked for startup businesses. I've worked for a brand new startup where I was the first employee to go in, which was huge learning. So I did that for two, four years. I did that for four years. So I saw the good, the bad, what didn't work, what did work for that. I was open and sort of um, involved in conversations and hearing conversations about business that I would never do if I joined a company with, say, more than 10, 15 people. So it was such a great learning. And I would always advise that as my one sort of key takeaway. If you want to set up a business on your own, go and work in a startup in that industry. There's thousands of them. So instead of paying someone to teach you in a course, you know, a few hours a week for 90 days, whatever it might be, and it's cost you $12,000 or $3,000 or whatever it might be, go and work a year and get a year's worth of paid for learning. You will learn more, number one, like I said about the original thing, you'll learn more through experience rather than online. So you'll learn more and you will get paid for it. So at worst, you've earned money from your experience to find out actually you're shit at business and you should never open your own business. That's the worst. That's the worst that can happen. Whereas okay. if you buy a course, you're probably not going to do it. Sure. It's probably not going to work because the fact they're teaching you how to do it at this point means they're not making enough money from doing the actual thing. And um, yeah, it's just, you know, you are probably on a hide into nothing, I believe. Don't get me wrong. Some online heard, training is good. I used right. to make- I've also heard um, that a, a good way to learn is sometimes take the pay cut and instead of trying to become a manager senior manager or whatever in a corporation become an assistant to the ceo yeah, yeah. or become an assistant to a you know see high high level senior vice president because then you're in the room when they're making the decisions all of the time and that knowledge is something that you just you can't get anywhere else so it's worth taking a lower wage just to sit in there and soak knowledge yeah, it's priceless, isn't it, really? And I know there is some truth in that. I mean, there's a lot of sayings that are bullshit, but you know where they say you're the average of the five people you hang around with? That's a yeah. common saying. Well, you know, if you're sat in, I don't know, the canteen with people that you're just whinging and moaning about certain things about the actual job, you're not going to be learning and understanding things that are sort of above your pay grade, if that makes sense. It's a horrible way to sure. put it. No, but it's true. You are yeah, exactly. So if you are in that room and you're hearing things, they might mention something, I don't know, a, a crypto investment, and then that might spark something. Oh, what is crypto? And then you can go and do your research and get books and you can learn things. And yeah, that's why I went and worked in startup businesses. I always knew or always felt like I'd have my own business, but I wanted to learn about it and understand it. And there's one thing doing a GCSE, like a, a qualification at school in business studies, which is irrelevant now and out of date that doesn't beat going and working in a startup and i wasn't paid much to do that i was on less money than what i would have been um (laughs) other jobs but the opportunity to learn um was far greater and obviously i was one of the lucky ones slash i got the rewards that taking those calculated risks sort of justified i suppose oh for sure and and speaking of which in your own business if I recall, you and your partner both uh, didn't draw a salary, did 16-hour days. You yeah. drew your salary at the end when you sold it, not throughout. 
Yeah, and that's another thing. You know, I see a lot of people that look like they're successful taking out or living on credit cards. And when the business first starts, the first thing they do is go and get a Range Rover or a big car and go get a big house. I stuck with the same car, stuck with the same house all the way through because I had a goal to sell my business for a certain amount of money after a certain amount of time. So anything that sort of diverted away from that plan was irrelevant. I used to say, does it make the boat go faster? And if it didn't make the boat go faster, we wouldn't do it. So, mm. but this is like, the maddest thing about any of this stuff, really. It's common sense. Like if you sit there and think about it properly, logically, because you're not desperate for some sort of results and you think it through, it's obvious that, you know, if you cut your cloth accordingly, you keep your costs down, you work hard towards a plan, you dismiss all the shiny things on the way because you believe in that plan. Um, you work out what your price should be. You work out what your end date is. You've got a, you can work backwards from that date. All this stuff is easy if you think about it. Now, if you don't think about these things and you've never thought about these things or you don't understand these things, you probably aren't cut out for this stuff. If you think buying a course from a guru that you've never heard of based on a Facebook ad or an Instagram ad, you 100% aren't cut out for this. You're only as good as the questions you ask, I believe, right? So if you're on Google or YouTube and you're, find, you're Googling how to make a million dollars in 30 days, chances are you ain't going to make a million dollars if it was 300 days or a you know, thousand days because you are asking the wrong questions. And a perfect example of that is when I sold my business, it's a weird kind of scenario where now you've had a level of success and all of a sudden people want to ask you everything about business. So I used to be on the school playgrounds, dropping the kids off. People that never spoke to me, their dads would be saying, how do you just, how can I make a million pounds in 12 months and stuff like that? It's like, it's because you think like that. I did six years worth of learning and training in startup business before I even felt confident enough. And then it took me another two and a half years. So it took me nine years to achieve something that you're now asking, how can you achieve it in one year? So just by that nature of your question is why I know you'll never, ever understand it or do it. Does that make sense? Oh, absolutely. And one one thing, and I definitely want to get into the entrepreneur aspect and the courses and everything, but I love learning about the business because this is the legitimate lessons in business and not everybody gets them. One thing you had mentioned, and I really deeply appreciate, is you and your partner work every position throughout the company and kind of just revolve around, do a job for a while, learn it really well, move to the next, move to the next, move to the next. Are you, while you're doing that, are you documenting the job so you can uh, work yourself out of each job as you go? Yeah. So uh, that's one of the tactics that I always do. To understand your business, you've got to try and do everything to start with, but then you want to delegate it as soon as you can. So you work it in its worst state. So you almost like develop the processes and you improve on those, you automate the things that you can document it all, and then you sack yourself from each role. Then as soon as you've managed to sack yourself from every role in the business and it runs without you and you can go away for three months, six months, and it really doesn't need you to be on the phone all the time when you're like someone, that is when you've got a, an actual business, in my opinion, where you can sell it. You know, too many people are just the sometimes the worst paid employee in their own business if you, you work it across the amount of hours they put in. At best, they are the best play, best paid employee in their own business but they can't actually sell the thing or go on holiday for too long or can't cut ties with it because yeah. 
they are integral to that running. If you've got that, you're not an entrepreneur or you've not got a business. You've just created yourself a job, which is fine for a lot of people. But if you're a plumber or you're a, a boiler guy or you go around installing, I don't know, TV aerials, yes, it's your business, but it's a hell of a lot of hassle for what would ultimately be a pretty standard wage. You might as well go and work for somebody else and not have to worry about tax returns and paying for you know what I mean all that stuff was taken care of you so yeah work in your own business in every role you've got a better understanding and appreciation of what each role entails then you can never ever ask someone that you're not willing to have done yourself as well I think that's a huge thing and uh, yeah then your aim is to sack yourself Uh, that's what I'm currently doing at the moment I'm on the phones talking to people and none of them would know that this is my business. To me, to them, I'm just the guy that's calling the leads when it comes through from marketing. Uh, and and you learn so much. That's another thing as well. You, you learn so much from your customers um, when they talk to you about their experience and stuff like that because how they often talk to the person that runs a business is completely different. So it's um, a good lovely. experience. I didn't, realize you, I didn't realize you did that. So you're just an employee to yeah, everybody yeah. around. and. They have no idea. Yeah. So this sounds mad. So in, in um, the last business, um, I employed someone to act as the MD managing director. So and there was people in my own business after the certain the first a lot of employees had come in. So we ended up having 21 staff. They didn't know that it was my business. So they were working for me in the same teams and they didn't realize <laughs> it was my business. They thought it was the MD's business, but which is fine because, oh. again, I'm not interested in that um, status or online. My my job title was never, ever founder or CEO or any of this stuff because, to me, that's all bullshit, really. It's, <laughs> I would hear staff telling me about how they felt about working there, wanting my opinion on things, and I was thinking, this is great learning for me. So, yeah, that you've got to – in my mind, it, it works for me, but I've never been a flash person. So, you know, I know loads it's of people right. aren't making any money but we'll tell you, oh, I'm a founder of this cutting-edge tech startup. It's, you know, you're basically just spending investors' money on something that's never going to work. You know, I didn't do any of those things. That's amazing. IAM, is that I am Mike? A little stealth? No, so it's so Ian is my <laughs> business partner. Okay, uh, so it's oh, Ian, Ian and, and Mike. Mike. Yeah, but but it also lends itself to anything we do. So at the moment, we've, you know, we've, so we've got I am productions we've got i am we can do i am content i am investing i am so it's like the i am group is just ian and mike sounds all right mm. but i have actually got a company called i am mike by the way but it's just that's not really customer facing that's for um property investing mm. so yeah which is funny because whenever i phone up to sort anything out i say it's it's mike from i am mike and it just sounds you just sound a bit <laughs> not very creative that is funny um, somebody's asking, uh, are you comfortable sharing which industry your business was and what your value proposition was? I yeah, think so, you kind of <laughs> Yeah, so online learning, it was we made content for corporate businesses to invest in. So they would pay a monthly subscription. Um, the average order value of a customer is £417, about, I don't know, $600 a month. That gives them unlimited access for all of our training resources for all of their employees. Cancel any time. We signed up 340 businesses in two and a half years and sold for 11.1 million dollars perfect i think they came in late too but that's yeah. a nice nutshell uh, version of it so essentially you're building a product 
Yeah, yeah. Because you're working yourself out of it. You're no longer part of it. Now it's just a self-sustaining thing over here. And then you can, you know, cut it off. But yeah, that's the, it, the idea is to, have, is to have just, I just want to create enough revenue to allow me to do things that I actually want to do. The maddest thing about the online learning, I didn't even like it. I had no interest in it. I, The model just fit that. That was just the sector that the this model that I have for starting a business worked in. So it could have been anything, but it was just, oh, I think that if we apply this model to this sector, it will work. So no experience in the sector, um, didn't even care about it, wasn't even that passionate about it. That's why I didn't want to do it for too long. I didn't want to be known as the e-learning boy or Mr. Online Learning. I had no interest. It was, if we execute this plan um, within three years, it will give me the funds to actually do things that I was interested in. And I was interested in property, investing and startup businesses you know so i still think i don't even think that was my big one i think i've got one more big one left in me and i don't think it's this one that i'm in now i think this one as soon as i get it so it's you know runs perfectly without me and it's making a little bit of money as long as that can pay me a wage each month without me having to turn up and when i say a wage i'm talking maybe five thousand maybe four thousand five thousand pound a month without me having to touch it um i'm going to start building the other one that i think will be uh, which will be the big one, I think. Interesting. Now, it's this, this is so interesting because what you, in effect, are doing and have done is everything that is promised in a lot of these, quote, guru courses yeah. online. And you've taken now, I guess, damn near every guru course. You want to tell us about that journey? A fair few, yeah. So again, so when I sold the business, I was a working class lad. You know, you don't really, in your mind, you think you know what you would do. If I had $2 million, I'd do this. If I had $5 million, I'd do this. And it would be Mm -hmm. easy. The reality is when it happens and it hits your bank account and you get told don't come into work again, which is what happened to me, it's good for about a week. And you think, oh, wow, this is mad. And then you think, well, what do I do next? I haven't really got a purpose or an objective or a goal. And this is why people have mental health issues or go a bit crazy. Because the thing that they were striving to achieve has happened and they've not got another goal to fill that void. So then you start filling your time with all sorts of stuff. So I kind of knew that I had to invest in a bit of property. I kind of knew that I had to do stocks and shares. Oh, Warren Buffett does stocks and shares and he's done all right. So there's something in that. 90% of the UK's millionaires invest in property. So I knew I had to do something with that. And this, I'd never heard of Gary Vee or Grant Cardone or any of these people. I'd never heard of sort of like celebrity social media business people because I worked in a business. I didn't have social media before any of this. I was too busy working in a business. Yeah. So like The Rock doesn't sit at home watching gym motivation videos, does he? He's at the gym yeah. working out. Yeah. So I was like that. So this kind of blew my mind that there was this whole world. So... I started to watch these things and I thought some of these messages they're telling people are ridiculous. And then once you've started searching those things, you are a product of the content you consume. I'd get adverts all the time saying, hey, do you want to make six-figure income from drop shipping? No experience needed. Anyone anywhere can achieve this. All you need is a laptop and you can do it on the beach. Number one, Wi-Fi is rubbish on the beach. Have you ever tried working there? You get sat in the So, And I just thought, having just been through that experience legitimately, and I was probably documenting my journey as being realistic. Like, this isn't for everyone. The chance of you failing is so high. You know, you're probably better off in a well-paid job. Um, why? I thought, why don't I just um, 
invest a little bit of money in some of these courses because if Chad is right and he's 23 and he's sat on front of a green Lamborghini, I maybe might be able to 10x my income in 90 days, which would be brilliant for me. So why don't I take his course on affiliate marketing or drop shipping or buy a crypto mining rig or do Forex trading? So I just ring fenced a little bit of money. It was about $500,000 to do courses and invest in some of the things that are asking me to do. And lo and behold, not one single course. And this is bearing in mind, I'm someone that's actually grown a business without anything and taught myself. <laughs> not one of the things promised by the guru has got anywhere near the results um, that they ha- advertised or said were realistic results. Not one thing. And I'm not an idiot. I understand about profit, loss, you know, staff. I know about online marketing, about all these different things. And I'm not saying I am the benchmark of of everybody, but I'm saying if I can't do it, having actually ran a real business and not having a nine to five that I've got to work around, what chance has Mavis got who is, uh, you know, works as an accountant or what, what chance has John got that works in a factory and has just bought Ty Lopez's social media marketing um, course. So yeah, so I did it and not one thing's worked, but I just thought the interesting thing would be to document that journey. So that's how come I set up my YouTube channel just to say, look, I'm going to buy $30,000 of crypto mining rigs. Let's see if they actually do make the results that this guru's told me. Or here's me trying affiliate marketing. Here's me trying dropshipping and all these different things. And yeah, who would have thought it that the people selling the courses um, (laughs) make more money from selling the courses than they actually do uh, from doing the thing that they promised. So yeah, it's been an interesting couple of years. Those who can't teach, right? Yeah, well, it's just think of it logically, right? So I know how to make online. So I knew how to make an online learning platform and I would charge my customers, like I said, a few hundred dollars a month just to access it and they get content all the time. Why, if I could make, say, a million pounds a year or two million pounds a year and I really was making that money, would I then sell a course for $27 telling people how to set up a rival company doing exactly the same thing as what I do, you know, KFC doesn't sell his secret recipe for $27. And there's a reason for that. So if anybody, again, if you're a property um, trainer and you claim to make a million dollars a year from selling property in Florida, why would you go and host events in Florida, teach a thousand people at a time how to find properties that make money, invest in properties that make money? You wouldn't because you're now turning every single uh, course that you're doing is now creating a thousand competitors. And creating competitors from your customers is not something that any success, successful business has ever done. So go back to that thing of like, if you think about things logically and with common sense, because you're not vulnerable and desperately hoping for this thing, you would steer clear of most of these things. You know, And I go back to the same thing as well, where I say, who do you consider to be the world's most successful business people? And the same names always come up. It would have been Steve Jobs, Elon Musk. It would have been um, Jeff Bezos, Warren Buffett. None of them are headlining events in Miami, selling tickets at a discounted price, buy now with scarcity. None of them people do these things, yet they're always the examples used by the people that do this. Like Jeff Bezos is the world's most successful man and he did X, Y, Z. Yeah, but Jeff Bezos didn't buy a course to achieve that thing. He just (laughs) did it. You know, 
Warren Buffett is the most successful um, investor. He makes X per year, but he's not selling a course for $27 and he didn't buy a course for $27 to achieve that thing. Now, Warren Buffett's interesting because he did actually buy a course, I think it was for $100, which was on uh, presenting, how to communicate better, how to present yourself. And oh, I've, seen, well, yeah. I've seen that argument used, but that actually confirms the argument because that is a skill that he could learn, put into practice to help him get better at a particular thing. And this is why I sometimes get a bit annoyed, at, even at my own subscribers or followers or fans, whatever you want to call them, because I've recently just bought a course to how to use Zero more effectively. So Zero is like an online accounting software. I don't know if you get it in the US. Sure. So, but there's a very clear promise made from this course this will teach you step-by-step guide to set up your zero more effectively make invoicing easy it's not promising me that i'm going to make a million dollars a year so um so the warren buffett example that people used to sometimes say well look warren buffett did buy a course he didn't buy a course in how to invest in stocks and shares he invested in how to be more confident when presenting that's it so uh, that's a great yeah. analogy uh, to bring up with Warren Buffett because I was going to show you something. This goes way, way, way back. You know the courses and, if you will, the scammers to this guy, and probably you know before him. But I'd say he's probably the uh, biggest uh, target of all, Napoleon Hill. Yeah, uh, think and grow rich, and the whole um, mindset, the whole secret, really was based on his stuff. And around the same time, or close enough, you had Dale Carnegie. Yeah. And that was the course, I believe, you were talking about that Warren Buffett took. And all Dale said was, if you take my course, I'll make you speak better and represent yourself better to where you can communicate better in the future. Say, you will be a millionaire overnight. He said, you'll be a good communicator. So that, I think, is a, a, re- a really good parallel. Yeah, and it's right, isn't it? You know, yeah, no, and that that's that's the thing. I, it's a strange one because there's even some of the I would call them worst entrepreneurs that I've seen at their events and stuff. Some of the things they say are actually right because they're regurgitating other things, other people's work a lot of the time. But so they do actually say some things that will benefit you if you're smart enough to take it in and then apply it to your specific situation. So even in some of the worst people I've seen, they generally sometimes they say good things, things that will benefit and stuff like that. And then, and this is why the internet annoys me so much sometimes. And then some of the uh, best speakers that I say best best business gurus, you know, that aren't selling a course but you listen to them, they sometimes say things that aren't particularly very good. Not mm-hmm. not all the time. What I've found with dealing in this sector or with this kind of the people that are super fans of these gurus. They hang on every single word that these gurus say and they don't really think for themselves and they don't like sort of like process and think, well, actually, he said X there. He said Y there. They're contradictory. It's like they blindly follow these leaders and uh, leaders. And quite often they've not even bought their content, bought their course, sorry, um, and put their stuff into practice. But they blindly follow them and, you know, share their content and stuff. like that. It's, it's a really, really interesting thing. But then the internet's like that, isn't it? It's like very tribal. So I've got a lot of people that dislike my content. doesn't matter what the content is. They're subscribed to my channel to put a thumbs down as soon as the video goes live. Right. Because I've once said that I don't think Grant Cardone is particularly very good with money. And I've not met an investor of a Grant Cardone that's actually made 10x his returns ever. 
and I've been asking for three years. Yeah, all his marketing is 10x this, 10x that. And I've, you know, I've not met anyone that's actually made money with Grant Cardone, apart from people that sell Grant Cardone through his affiliate program. Have you seen the uh, Jordan Belfort, um, Grant Cardone? Yeah, I've got a video of that, actually, where I broke it down with the UK's most hated salesperson on my uh, channel. It's oh. a good video of that as well. Really good. Um, but yes, yeah, so I've seen that. And Jordan Belfort runs rings around Grant Cardone. In my it's funny, it is funny, especially because Jordan Belfort really is technically could be considered a con man. He served time. Yeah, you know, well, he is like you know, there's no getting away around it. What he did was wrong, um, but he could sell, and he knows about selling, and he ran rings around Grant Cardone. Just Grant Cardone saying, uh, "No interest is a level of interest," sort of says it all. Really, do you know what I mean? It's the guy. The guy's a joke. I wouldn't trust him with pocket money, let alone money that I'd that, that I wanted to invest in. You know, imagine saying that in a court of law. I know she said no, but it was a level of interest, so I persevered. You know, I bet there's a few people in prison that have tried to use that excuse. Hey, yeah, good point. I, yeah. Honestly, I don't know if I'm allowed to say this, so I will say allegedly before the next thing. Uh, sure. Well, there's, in fact, it's not even allegedly. So Grant Cardone is um, high up in the Church of Scientology, and he's part yeah. of their recruitment process. Um, and so when I've done any contact on Grant Cardone, I've been threatened quite quite a bit, and uh, it's just that he's got a strange sort of deluded fan base. And now he's got his daughter doing this stuff already. And I don't know how old she is. Have you seen her recently? You know, I honestly have managed to filter Grant Cardone out of my life. It's and... just like it's, it's so so linked to religion. Just the whole setup and the language they use and how these events are set up. I can get why. If you're not aware of what's happening, so you can kind of get swept away with it. And before you know it, you've spent $2,000, $4,000, $10,000. And then you leave there thinking, what have I just bought there? So, and I've seen that over and over again over the last two years. Well, I do consider MLMs cults. And yeah. these are technically MLMs. They're gurus, but it's a similar scenario. And I've had Rick Allen Ross on and Ian Haworth on, who are both cult experts. Yeah. And I'm very, very deeply interested in these. And Nexium. It may be the perfect uh, balance of that, where it takes Scientology values, placing it on MLM type of uh, situation with people. So it's not completely surprising. I know you've said before that religion and magicians seem to come up quite often when you're looking at the courses. Yeah, of course. It's such it's it's so mad because obviously I've been learning this as I go, so I'm almost like learning it with the audience at the same time. Like something mm -hmm. interests me, I look into it, and that's one thing I've noticed. There, a lot of the controversies are involved in religion or heavily lean on religion. Like, oh, he's a Christian, he's a good whatever it might be, he's a good Catholic guy, but whatever it might be. Um, there's that almost as if, and I, I, at first I just thought on a basic level. Ah, well, you trust a religious guy. He wouldn't do anything bad. Like, that's how you, you think, don't you? So that might have been the reason why. And then I noticed there was like a disproportionate amount of performers or magicians. And it is, it's kind of just that, isn't it? It's showmanship. It's, it's snake oil salesmen for the digital age, really. These would have traveled around selling, like, this is the Fountain of Youth, or this is, you know, sure. Cleopatra's Milk. They would have been doing this, but now... They can laser target their audience based on what questions they're asking on YouTube, on Facebook, and they can bombard them, follow them around the internet for a week. So before you know it, you're from a home, a broken home. You see people on Instagram balling, and you've not really got that sort of 
life path sets out for you. You might not necessarily have a father figure because divorce rates are so high. And you believe that every 21-year-old is driving a Lambo because that's all that you're seeing on TikTok and on Instagram and on YouTube that you then think, well, what is their secret? And before you know it, you're asking your mum and dad to borrow their credit card and you put a 1997 course on it. And, you know, no one's getting rich doing that. No one's getting rich doing a course with a thousand other people because it's just, it just doesn't work in business like that. If a thousand businesses set up today in any sector to do the exact same job, it is probably too late to make money in that sector. If you, and again, I go back to just think about it logically. You know, just think about it logically. Would you go and start a business doing exactly the same thing as a thousand other people in that room wanted to do. You wouldn't even in school, in school, if they said to you in business studies class, right, everybody think of a business and come up with a marketing plan. If two people in that room come up with the same business, the teacher would say, no, no, don't do that. You come up with a, your own business. And that's <laughs> at school. So why would you now go and hand $2,000 over for someone to learn exactly the same business as 999 other people in that room and then all believe you're going to be successful? It kind of, in it, I've gone full circle now. Sometimes I think there are no helping some of these people. Like, mm. you know, they hate me for telling them that this thing. Like, listen, if you are okay. going to your, if you're handing over, that I had someone message me before. So I had social media accounts taken down. I lost a social media account with 76,000 on um, two weeks ago. Yeah, I wanted to talk about that. Your LinkedIn, yeah. Instagram. Yeah, but like, but what I used to, so I got a message and I always, always remember it. So it's from someone in the US and they'd said, I spent $21,000 with seven different gurus. So 3,000 a pop. So 3,000, of course, so 2,997 it would have been. So I spent $21,000 with these seven different gurus. Uh, and I've not really made my money back and nothing's really worked. But what do you think of this guru? Because I'm thinking about buying his course. <laughs> and I just said, my response was, I don't think the problem here is the gurus. Stop right. handing, stop handing money over to them. Like just if if you were in the gym and you tried seven different programs to get yourself fit and healthy, one after another, and kept saying, "Well, that didn't work," because it didn't work after six weeks or whatever. That's why it's not worked because you you're not sticking to anything showing consistency, using your brain or anything like that. So yeah, and I just said to them, like, listen, stop handing your money over to gurus you are the problem, not the guru. So, But there are people like this. They just like going to these events and being hyped up and being around like-minded individuals, you know, and they consider it networking. They're addicted to that. That's funny. That kind of environment, I think. I had on uh, Jeffrey Hazlett, who uh, was the CMO of Kodak uh, way back in the day, and he was talking about how he saved all this money to go see Warren Buffett and Charlie Munger. He deliberately had one share so he could attend that meeting because they have the yearly meeting where they can ask questions. And he went through a whole story of how he ran around to find the microphone and all that. Yeah. And he asked Charlie Munger his big question, which was, if I had $100,000, what should I invest in to get ahead? And Munger said, put in the S&P 500 and get back to work. Yeah. It was literally, it was like, what? All, all that money, but it, it was literally right there. Just put put it there and then go back to your job. Yeah. It's um, Warren Buffett. I, I, someone asked him about a million dollars. If you had a million dollars today, what would you do with it? And he said he would put it into uh, bonds, get 4% return on them, and then go back to work. Like, 
that's it. It's that simple. I so say you will earn uh, $40,000 a year on that money and just leave it there. So I, you know, and that's the, th- that's the thing I know from my own experience. The weird thing is when you've not got any money, you think if you have a million dollars, like your life's going to be amazing and you're going to be able to do all these different things and live off the interest. The reality is so far removed from that. You don't make, leaving your money in the bank when you've got a million dollars and you're getting a return of say 1%, inflation's more than that. You're actually losing money by trying to live off the interest. It doesn't make any sense. So but obviously people don't teach you this. People seem to think that once they hit seven figures, six figures, it's like, everything that goes on in their head and how they feel is all going to magically alleviate, but it doesn't, it doesn't at all. It kind of amplifies, to be honest. I've got more money worries now than I probably had when I was at the end of that business, when I was paying myself a salary and stuff like that. Cause that's easy to understand and easy to get ahead round and easy to manage. You know, when you've got a big chunk of money just sat there, you're thinking, Oh shit, what do I do here? And what if I invest in this, but what if it doesn't work and all these different things where Warren Buffett just goes, Real simple. You got a million dollars. Put it into that. That's making you forty grand a year. Get back to work and make another million. You know, but that's that's why he's where he is, and we are where we are because we seem to think that getting a million dollars is the destination, and all our problems are solved. He thinks no, stopping working is the problem. You know, look how many people if they stop working for retirement age die within two years or three years. The numbers are massive. Weirdly, the thing that you're trying to escape is actually the thing that keeps you sane, keeps you living, grinding. And anybody that thinks when they hit X money, they'll retire forever, that's probably, again, one of the reasons why you won't actually achieve that thing, in my mind, in my opinion. Well, that's true. I mean, I do find it interesting, though, how you managed to build a business and were not at all interested in what you were doing in terms of business, but you were obviously interested in the process of this is how you build a business. and peculiar mindset that I think works really well for you because technically you can be a hired gun to go into any industry since you don't really care about that. You're more, it's like you're more interested in the mechanics or the plumbing of the business than you are the actual, what does it It's weird. That's the thing in a strange way. I like the chaos of a startup. Like I enjoy that thing more than what, it doesn't even matter what it does. But I like that. How do we get this from A to B? How do we get there in the most efficient way uh, and on what particular date? And let's work backwards from what do you want to achieve? And let's work backwards from that. So, yeah, I prefer the chaos of a startup compared to. And I've just got no, again, it's as long as it fits the model of what I consider to be a good model for resale. And um, it interests me. Like, weirdly, the like I said, the business I've got right now that I'm working on, it doesn't fit the model. So I can't wait to be able to just get out of this one and let it run. It's like a passing trade business. You know, mm. it's bespoke. Each client wants slightly, something slightly different. It's, it's horrible. Uh, but oh, so, the, the maddest <laughs> thing is, though, there are thousands of businesses like this in the world. You know, if you've got a sandwich shop, you rely on football. If you've got a clothes shop, you rely on. This doesn't fit my, can be a subscription, can be online. You know, does it complement somebody else's businesses? Who, who would buy it? There's so many things it doesn't tick. But hmm. I've accidentally found myself here because of COVID and a global pandemic. Um, I've just had to make do. And I've just put it as it'll just be another business that's within a group, within the I Am group. And then I can get back to doing the thing that I actually want to do and I believe will be my sort of, that'll be my retirement, I think. So Well, now the, the mindset and finding the joy in the process is really the secret, isn't it? I mean, it. Yeah, enjoy a training, find a way to enjoy the grind versus yeah. 
other. Yeah, I mean, I'm going to sound, you know, I'm miserable as it is. That's my sort of character. So the, even when I sold the business that week, I was thinking about, oh, if only I'd got that deal in, it would have been worth, you know, 14 times more because of the resale and stuff like that. And it was like, I looked at things that we'd not done properly and we should have done a little bit better rather than thinking, I can't believe we've managed to hit our goal after two and a half years. Again, I, I don't know if that's what drives me on. I'm my own biggest critic. I'm very critical. Um, what you're thinking about tomorrow. I mean, it, it's a mindset, you know, and I'm sure you have that on YouTube when you're creating or yeah. anything else. Speaking I of which, applying, we have- I was applying for jobs like two weeks after I sold the business, just because I don't like not doing anything or having something. So I was actually, apply, uh, again, because I like to learn things by doing, I was applying mm. for jobs at real estate agents in the town that I live in. Mm. Um, and that didn't go very well. No one would employ me because they couldn't get their <laughs> head around it that why would you want to work here on a salary? So I even offered to not work on a salary and only get paid on commission. But it mm. made people feel nervous thinking, well, you've you've had a more successful business than this or you've got more money than I've got and I'm the business owner. What are you right. here for? What's the sort of, what's the catch? What are you really up to? As if like I was going to learn their business and then set up as a rival. I just wanted to understand the mechanics of properties, viewing properties, what seems a good deal? What's the yield mean? Rather than buying an online course in how to invest in property, I just wanted to do it. So, and so I couldn't get a job in my own town in the industry that I wanted to because I was known for selling that old business. Well, that's, I, I mean, I can see that though. That's their own personal shame, if you will, that mm-hmm. every day I have to be reminded that this, this guy here is more successful than me and he can turn down salaries um, and just go commission. He can do whatever he wants. And I have to look at that every day and I can't handle looking at that every day. So it's I also think as well, it's, it's like they, they probably thought maybe they had less control over me. Like if they say, well, you know, you need to work late or you don't I can sound, it doesn't bother me. I, I won't, I'll walk. So yeah, it's an odd, it's an odd one. It's, it's an odd kind of mindset that some people have, don't they, around sort of their own business and stuff like that. I don't know. But I think maybe people are too invested in it. I always look at them as like, this is just a vehicle to get me where I want to go. Um, people say, we did it upset you when you sold your business because it's your baby? But I said it was more like a foster child. I only knew I was going to have it for two or three years. So I never really got too attached to it. It was just a thing to get me from A to B in my sort of plan for life. That was it. I yeah, never thought makes- to be a YouTuber. Mm-hmm. No. Things well, I, I, that makes sense. I, I, I grew up, I was not a rich kid either. So I learned that if I ever wanted to get an item that I wanted, I would have to find something of value. Yeah, and so I would cut. I would go find something of value that I would buy that I had no interest in whatsoever, but I knew that I could sell it for more money, and or trade it or do whatever. And that's how I got everything. It was just kept, kept trading up. Yeah, and they're good skills. They're they're more beneficial skills for you than learning how to I don't know find products on Alibaba and sell them for you know actually doing that face to face negotiation and learning those real world skills. Door knocking, mm-hmm. trying to sell you know door to door you know all those things that kind i mean i don't know how old you were but these were i was like working at 14 and i was you know i remember asking for a pay rise in my job at 14 years old and well i do x y and z if i can do abc on top of that and i can bring in x amount of extra money for you can i have a five percent of that money and these were all things that i kind of learn as I went I was lucky as well in the sense that I went to um 
my mum and dad gave me allowance from being seven years old. Um, I used to get £200 a, a month, which is loads of money for a kid. God, yeah. But they didn't buy me anything. But, so I had to buy my own sweets. So I had to buy my own clothes. I had to buy my own shower gel, toothpaste, all these different things. And that sounds crazy. I mean, I couldn't trust my kids to do that. I've got a 10-year-old and a 6-year-old. <laughs> but because I didn't know any different, I started to learn, even at that age, well, I could buy a single pack of these sweets and they cost 30p. Mm. Or I could buy a four-pack and it costs a pound, so I'm saving 5p per unit. Mm. So I was learning all these things and learning how to budget and stuff like that. So I was always kind of good with money or understood money a little bit better than, say, my brother and sister who that didn't happen to. And they would get things bought for them here, there, and everywhere and stuff like that. So, um, yeah, it was interesting, really. That is interesting. Now, I want to talk about, um, obviously, there's some sort of run-ins with social media. And just to let you know, I'm doing this video now. It's a live stream. And on all of my videos uh, and live streams, I always have another window open. I look, and uh, about a half hour ago, it already was demonetized. Went to yellow. Oh, yeah, yeah, this one. And I've already, you know, put in the appeal. And then after so many hours or day, then it'll say, oh, we found your videos okay. And it gets very, very aggravating. Yeah. This, your social media issues, like I think you got thrown off of LinkedIn. Your yep. Instagram is anemic. Is this because you're talking about, let's say, Grant Cardone's and Gary V's who are insiders at these giant social media companies? I mean... The conspiracy theory in me says, yes, like if they spend a lot of money on these platforms, marketing to their audience on those platforms, they've got a lot more sway and they bring a lot more revenue to these platforms than I do. So in the last 12 months, I had my Instagram hacked and deleted. That was after a certain video went up. You know, I couldn't get into that and it's gone. Like Instagram can't do anything about it. So I lost that account. Um, I had I was anonymous, anonymously reported on LinkedIn. Um, and I was banned for two days and then they allowed me back. And then I was anonymously reported again within an hour. And that account's been permanently deleted. Um, I've had um, numerous copyright strikes on my content on YouTube. I've had legal letters from some of the companies and some of the people that I speak about. So, yeah, I, I would say I'm being targeted. And I think and sometimes it's because people don't like what I'm talking about. But again, if you've got someone there explaining how people are manipulated online to buy things that they might not necessarily need or actually saying I bought this thing and it didn't really work. That's impacting some people's bottom line. So it's probably better for them. And what I feel like it's happened now is they've got a common enemy with some of my content. So it's easy for one of them to do something and then another one to do something similar. So I had three attempted copyright strikes in the space of three days from people that I know do stuff together so there's certain things like that where i think well yeah um they are working together but sometimes i just think it's like you with your this video even though they know they're not going to win the copyright claim it takes the wind out of the sails they can get rid of that video for two weeks while you're fighting it and having to jump through hoops to get it back so when it comes back it's old news and it's also it's not going to be viewed as many because it's not being pushed by the algorithm so that happened with my main entrepreneur video um, Russell Brunson put in a copyright strike. And at that time, that video was doing 10,000 views um, a day, and I was getting a 1,000 subscribers a day, which was huge for the channel back then because it was my fourth video. So, um, But since then, I've never got over 150 subscribers a day. 
So he really took the wins out of the channels. Like he sort of wiped 90, what, what would you call that? So yeah, we dropped down to about 10% of the views and 10% of the subscribers because of that. And I won the, I won the counterclaim, but it was, you know, it, it not a massive knock on effect monetary wise, time, effort, jumping through hoops. Ended up making the video, remaking that video without right. the clip of Russell Brunson in it, just in case I lost that appeal. Then I won it anyway. So it was almost like, well, I could have been making other videos in that two weeks. Is that why you trademark entrepreneur? Because one um, of the methodologies is that it, all these gurus or people that you're talking about could say, release their own video saying entrepreneur, blah, 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 to push your stuff way down the algorithm and then build positive messages. Yeah, well, they do do that, not just with the word entrepreneur, but um, so I've done a video on that as well. Why do they do it? You know, why do they release videos like Grant Cardone expose the truth about Grant Cardone? And it's quite an interesting breakdown of the reasons why. But the reason why I um, copyrighted or trademarked the word entrepreneur was because uh, when I met Gary V and we spoke about Netflix, I thought, well, if someone took this idea to Netflix, the word entrepreneur describes it so well. It's such a, a standout word that I could see them using that word as um, the name of the documentary they would make if they were going to make it without me. So I thought because we'd been pushing this word and it was quite a word that people identified um, our work with, it'd be a good idea to copyright it. And lo and behold, if you've seen Money Explains, the new Netflix series that's come out, have you seen that? I have. No. Uh, so episode one, um, Netflix, I did two interviews with them. They were meant to come over to here to film. We were supposed to be doing some stuff together. I was going to be in it as a talking head. And they were going to use some of my content for that episode. They then sent me a letter, an email two days before they were meant to film uh, and said, sorry, legal have told me we're going to have to take this program in a completely different direction. And then they pretty much recreated the Entrepreneur Formula video. And then I get a mention at the very end, which is just a special thanks to Mike Winnett. So, <laughs> but it goes to show that, you know, that's a shady industry as well. You know, thanks for doing all the hard work. We've pretty much ripped off your videos. Um, you, we even interviewed you twice for this and you've signed off a release form to say that we can use any content for you. And then we're not even going to sort of acknowledge it. I didn't even speak about money or, payment because i wasn't i'm, I'm not in, as interested in that as letting more people understand what pressures that they're under and what sort of psychological psychological tactics are being used on them when they're in one of these events so um yeah so even netflix have been a bit shady about it gary v never did the intro netflix came about via them seeing my content and someone mentioning uh, my content to them so it's been a bit of an odd one really no one's out there no one's out there had anything to you is, is a lesson that I've learned. And again, I'll go back to the things that's made me the most money in the last two years are getting people to pay me money for a skill that I'm good at. That's mm. it. So having your own business where you have something of value that people are willing to give you money for has made me more money than any of these passive things that I'm supposed to be making six figures from. Right, and things that they can't do themselves. I mean, plumbers are yeah, paid exactly. a lot of money because they're very, very needed when they're called. Yeah. Like they can't do marketing, so do marketing. So you're a graphic designer, so they can't do certain things. They can't design posts. They just charge for those things. And then when you get good enough, now pay other people to do those things for you, cheaper than what you would charge yourself, and then you keep the difference, and that's how you then grow your business. And then sack yourself from that graphic design business and sell it to a big graphic design business. Is that That's how you do any of this stuff. So. 
Well, that's a. Is anyone perfect... actually watching? By the way, I what? can't see anyone. How, is, does anyone watch along live? Yeah, uh, we, we've got fifty something on. So, don't want to ask me any questions. I, I quite fancy quick fire. Sure. Uh, that'd be awesome. Let me see. I've had some uh, coming in here. I don't know if you see the comments on the side. I'll oh, actually, I can see them here now. One sec. Uh, Somebody did oh, ask about, uh, Silicon Valley. What you thought of? Uh, see what you think of the plan of trying to build the network effect and then prove something out and then hope to sell it. I'm trying to find it too because that one stood out of my head. Did I lose you? No, no, I'm still here. Yeah. Oh no, that's me. That's me being still. <laughs> oh, very, very. Oh, so, hi, Mike. You mentioned that Warren Buffett's communication course and your zero course are in a different class than Make Me Online. Have you ever reviewed the former? Uh, no, I've not. No. Uh, no, that would be interesting. The uh, Carnegie. Ah, uh, yeah. So, the Dragon's Treasure. Any business-related books that you'd recommend that aren't utter garbage? It's weird. I gave. I've got a friend of mine that's just set up his own PT business, and the book I read that I I believe that a lot of my attitudes towards money come from is a book by Richard Templer, which is called The Rules of Wealth. Now, it's really basic. It just breaks down 100 rules of understanding money and things that you could do, practical things to um, improve your understanding of money. So I thought that was really good. Okay, here's the question. He's interested in your opinion on Silicon Valley startup mentality. Raise capital for a theory, try to prove it makes money, and then raise more capital endlessly when it doesn't. Well, it's the latest scam, in my opinion. A lot of these people think they've made it just by when they've raised capital for their ideas. So having started a business and not getting it funded by anyone else and putting my own money in my pocket, I believe you're if you genuinely want to run a business and be successful and you're not looking to scam people or whatever, you're more likely to succeed when you're putting your own money in. Because it, every decision's costing you. So I know if someone, if I'd raised $10 million for my online training business, I would have paid myself handsomely. I would have got a car. I would have got a nice house. And I would have thought I'd made it. But in theory, that money's meant to be just so you can get your thing working. Not we've made it because we've raised the funds. So I think it's mad. So, uh, But I just think it's a massive scam now. You see some things getting thrown up on these crowdfunding platforms that are never, ever going to take off. And where do they go? Where does the money go? It's, um, I think it's ridiculous, to be honest. But Somebody uh, yeah. uh, recommending that you uh, start reviewing self-development courses since they often toe the line between useful skills and um, worthless scams. And folks, if you have any more questions, go ahead and start piping them in. What are your thoughts on that? Self-development. Hey. Yeah, again, it's like self self development works, but it's you've got to go and develop things that you actually think you can implement in your real life. You know, if it's woo woo shit, it doesn't really interest me. Like you know, all take the law of attraction. When people talk about the law of attraction, now there is mm -hmm. something in thinking positive and filling your mind with those types of thoughts. But you can put whatever you want on your vision board. Nothing's going to happen just because you see it every morning. You've got to actually take steps to make that thing happen. So I would say the law of action is far greater than the law of, law of attraction. But uh, yeah, it's self-development's a, a weird one, isn't it? Quite often these people are telling you, you know, you need to develop X, Y, Z skills. 
but you know they don't do those things themselves so again it's be careful who you listen to your advice and that includes me like don't take my word for it i'm only talking from my personal experience at no point am i saying do what i do and it'll work for you i'm saying this is what worked for me don't right, mind my odds, you're saying the odds are better that you'll get lucky if you are if you're you know yeah. for example if you save your money and you have a lot of money in your pocket you're 10 times more likely to get a good deal on something yeah, because there's always something that's you know suddenly for sale that wasn't expected or whatever. And if you always have money on you, you're going to be able to buy that property or buy that thing or buy whatever um, just because of all the preparation ahead yeah. of time. Um, I see that one about NLP. That's really interesting. So yeah, NLP. Um, it's crazy the amount of NLP. So I actually managed to get a script from a property training course. I managed to get get it off the stage. And they'd actually highlighted the words. I've got it in one of my videos, actually, a photo of the script I'd seen. Um, and it was actually said, by now, you should realize that this is an opportunity of a lifetime. By now, you should know that, you know, property is the way um, you're going to make your riches. By now, by now, by now, basically. And it was said in the final three minutes before the price um, was announced, I counted 26 times or 23 times. I can't remember. It's in the video. 23 or 26 times. It was said in the three minutes lead up to um them really revealing the price so nlp it's scary it's scary really but you start to see that everywhere it's weird though because now i understand it i notice things a lot more so if you don't know what's happening you, you don't really pick up on it as um um as often so nlp is fascinating too because it it can be quackery it can also be very effective you know it, there's a, a lot to it in terms of mindset like it's like a gun, you know, you, a gun in theory on its own as a tool is a very good tool depending on what you want to use it for. But in the wrong hands, it's dangerous. And it's like any of these tactics. I don't actually have a problem with scarcity. I don't actually have a problem with testimonials or price cuts. <laughs> any of these tactics that these use, what I've got a problem with is fake examples or unethical examples of these um, tactics to then for, to make you buy something that isn't actually going to help you achieve the thing that it promises. So it's a kind of, it's a subtle difference, really, because don't get me wrong, we use scarcity in my own business. I, we have a podcast studio with set number of slots. If there's only three slots left, there's only three slots left. But the difference is there really is only three slots left. We're not going to, on the next webinar, tell people, hey, there's only three slots left. You've got to get in quick because there isn't. Once it's full, it's full. So it's it's a strange one, really. But that's actual scarcity. You built in actual yeah. scarcity. Yeah, and testimonials, testimonials are brilliant if they're real. If the testimonials are bought off Fiverr, testimonials aren't bad. Shit testimonials that from people that have never used your product that you've paid for are the bad thing. So, right. And NLP, as I was going to say, as an example of one thing, your brain does not understand the uh, the word no. It only understands an action. So if you say, um, yeah, don't spill that milk. Well, you're more likely to spill it because you've just put an image in your brain of doing that versus the whole um, carry the milk carefully and set it on the counter. And there is some stuff in there that's actually of genuine psychological value in business even or, or whatever else. Like if you you know say, um, I can't, or if you have like negative thoughts towards it, it's not going to be helpful. But so I don't know how to explain it. If you're not you know, conning, okay, that goes back to the thing I was saying about even the worst, what I would consider entrepreneurs actually give some nuggets of genuine, great business advice. And that's why sometimes you think, well, just because so I'll, so Ty Lopez, I imagine most people know who he is. I went to a Ty Lopez event 
And he said some things on there that I just thought, oh, I'd never thought of that. That actually makes sense. But that was like mm. literally a needle in a haystack. The rest of the day was terrible. But there was a couple of things where, and I know I could have left that event if I didn't think how I did and was, a, you know, the eternal pessimist. I would have gone, oh, I have got a little bit of value there because I learned that one thing or it's made me think about this one thing. So I get how sometimes they can hide behind that. Well, you did get some value, you know? And on that note, you can confirm something I suspect because I'm not going to go pay for a course to prove it. They generally give away a free course or whatever, or a little seminar or some BS. How many times is everything of relevance in that free seminar? And the course is nothing more than just a, a repeat or magnification of anything of value that might be in the seminar. Yeah, so it never is. It's never as promised. It literally is maybe 15%. As if you wanted like a sort of percentage, 15% will be talking about the thing that you were promised you were going to be there. The rest of it is a bullshit backstory trying to get you to buy the main course. What I find was if you buy the main course, usually around $1997, because um, they sometimes even try and get it with a lower product first, but there's always an upsell. Now, the biggest con, if you want to call it that, or is between buying the, the sort of generic course, the first entry product, and then buying a slightly more advanced course. There is no difference between them two things. But what it is, is they know they can sell to a smaller number, to a higher figure, and then the you can join my inner circle, super premium. But the difference between them two courses, between what you pay for the basic and, say, the $5,000 first upsell, is not very much at all. It's scary how similar um, they all these um upsells are it's it's mad it's mad and, and essentially what it they all end up being is i can teach you how to be me and it doesn't matter what guru it is the ultimate upsell is now we're friends we're super exclusive you're paying a hundred thousand a year or whatever it might be two hundred and fifty thousand if you wanted to be grant cardone i'm going to teach you how to be grant cardone 2.0 and by that point they're so entwined in what this person does that they end up becoming their right hand man and you can see them online you know, always the same people around these people. So, yeah, that's scary. Well, this is perfect. Um, I really, really, really appreciate you taking the time to talk about this, and I, I especially appreciate just the real business talk early on. I know that the the sexy sizzle is the entrepreneur formula, which is awesome, and I love exposing people. And I'm very into manipulation, and I even have P.T. Barnum up on the shelf to mm -hmm. simplify the episode because we're right on track. But I appreciate you know, what you are doing in both exposing, but also in creating your businesses. Oh, thank you. I appreciate that. Uh, yeah, it's mad, but I never used to. The only reason I revealed my actual real business was because. After the first entrepreneur formula video, the biggest criticism was you're saying this because you're a hater living in your mom's bedroom and you've been unsuccessful. As you would imagine, that that would be what a lot of people on the internet think. So that's why I revealed the real business side. I kind of regret it sometimes, but I'm saying that having revealed it. But I know it would it was annoying me when people were saying, well, "What have you ever done? You're just jealous because he's made more money than you." But also that idea that because they've perceived to have made more money that was deemed their level of success, which I found was uh, quite interesting as well. You know, monk, monks are the happiest people in the world, probably. And, you know, they're not earning six figures, seven figures. They're just very peace with what they've got. So. Very true. Very true. Well, and they don't have to think about it. The more you have, the yeah. more you have to think about. The more you have to lose. 
True. So they're using that. Well, Mike, thank you so much. Now, everybody check out Mike Winnett on YouTube while he's still there before it gets shut down. Because yeah. we don't know. I can't trust YouTube. Um, actually, last question. Are you um, thinking about going on to alternate uh, platforms so that way at least your stuff will stay out there? Uh, so this is a difficult one. And again, I've kind of cultivated an audience now that thinks everything's a scam. So in terms of selling things to anybody, I have got now seven, uh, 86,000 subscribers on YouTube, 86,000 skeptical haters that don't like anyone to make money, right? So we are a, a, a audience of losers that hate anyone that's successful. Now, because I've had so much trouble with um, YouTube and the Contrapreneur, Formula, uh, Contrapreneur Bingo series, which is probably my favorite series to do, um, I've got to put it on another platform. So Patreon's the only place I can put it. But then I knew if I went, oh, by the way, I'm on Patreon. I'm like, oh, so you've done this to make money from your audience. I so- would not do it there. I would not do it there. Look at Locals. Look at Rockfin, but do not do Patreon. Do not yeah, well, do Patreon. Could, why do you say that? Just because I'm interested because I've, I've loaded all the videos up there and put the price at $1. But but why, why would you say that? I guess Patreon will throw you off. Uh, if they don't like you or they get any, they threw Sargon of Akkad off. They, that's why he went on to uh, other oh, platforms. Really? Yeah. Now, I know you're not a free speech person or right wing or right. anything like I that. I didn't know that. Your message still falls in the same category of problematic people. And Patreon will toss yeah. you. And they are so dirty, allegedly, that an alternate platform subscribe star was built. And coincidentally, Patreon yeah. and PayPal got together and PayPal cut off the funding. To yeah, it's interesting reading the comments here now about Patreon. Yeah, it, it, it just now, uh, BitChute, you're not going to make any money on it. Rumble, you will make money on videos, potentially, if you want to put them there. Rockfin, you can also do a premium to where people can you know, support you and pay there. I'm big on Locals. That's been um, yeah. pretty much my platform of choice. And that's, again, another, I hate to say, freedom platform. But people will, you know, essentially, they can follow you for free. And then they can pay to support and get exclusive content, or yeah. if they want to content, et cetera, they have to pay, and that keeps the trolls out because trolls don't like paying money. Yeah. They're notoriously yeah. cheap. Um, if only Brian Rose if only Brian Rose had set up his freedom platform, maybe he'd welcome me on that that platform. I'm sure you'd be first in line. <laughs> so I'm gonna put it on there. <laughs> yeah. I've enjoyed yeah, I've yeah. enjoyed this Eric actually. I don't like doing things like this anymore, to be honest. So but um I liked what you've done. I, I saw the stuff that you did with Jenny and that. So uh, thanks for asking me to come on. Well, thank you, sir. And hopefully I'll have you again sometime. Thanks so much for listening. And if you would like even more content and community, please consider joining my locals at unstructured.locals.com. And you can always find out more about me and my shows and everything I do at erichunley.com. See you next time.